Bulletcast. For life. Man, haven't heard that music in forever. What's up, guys? It's your boy Brandon Tanguma here with a new episode of Under the Radar. Yes, I may have missed the Bullet Cast this past Wednesday slash Thursday, but it was for good reason. My boy, Curveballs and Shark Shots co-host Dominic Hobson. He might be might be leaving us, <laughs> might be moving. So we did a little little get together. So that's the reason why I wasn't there. So I, 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 had, a, I had a valid excuse, I believe, if you want to listen to the full explanation, we'll listen to Curveballs and Share Shots and we'll talk a little bit more about it in depth. But Curveballs and Share Shots going on a little bit of a hiatus, but we will come back. But we're here to talk pro wrestling under the radar. I checked the check the tape. It's been well over a year since the last episode of Under the Radar officially the last one was April 28th, 2021. So damn near a year and a half. If we're going to go by episodes, if this is still chronologically a series, this is episode 85 of Under the Radar. Damn, did not remember, did not realize I did that many episodes of Under the Radar. I used to, if you guys are new to the Bullet Cast, welcome. Uh, this used to be a podcast where I would come on, I think like every Tuesday or something like that. Uh, back when we used to record like Fridays, so this would be kind of like a midweek episode for the RSS feed where I would talk about, as the name would suggest, under the radar type stuff where we would talk about uh, New Japan, NXT, go over uh, some of the reality shows that WWE would be doing. It's basically the stuff that we wouldn't talk about on the regular episode of the Bullet Cast. I would come on here and do a solo little pod and get my thoughts out there. Usually they weren't that long, like, you know, half hour or something like that. If I was really passionate, if there was a big show like a Wrestle Kingdom or like a big NXT takeover or something like that, they'd be longer. But this episode is just going to be me. Uh, we're going to loosely do it off the Bullet Cast uh, script. So it's going to be my own special episode of the Bullet Cast. You know, I, I listen to the product as much as, you know, I have the ongoing bit, which is a bit, you know, obviously I listen to all the stuff, but I listen back. To the episode, episode 294. If you're not listening to it, please go check it out. Philip Katie did a hell of a job. Could have been better if I was if I was on it. Yes, absolutely. But you know, some things might have been said about my effort putting into this podcast, and maybe that was a stern kick in the ass that I needed to open my eyes. And so here we are. And yes, also under the radar, uncensored. I might let some things fly. There's no no such thing as a bad word. Okay, just bad intent. This may be. Not suitable for the minivan. Everything on this slate, I'm not going to be too fired up about, but I might, you know, let a couple f bombs and stuff fly. So, hide, hide your kids, hide your wives, hide all them. So let's just jump on into it. As I said, this is pretty much just my own episode of the Bullet Cast that I will be doing, going over kind of the news and notes of the week, maybe sprinkling some new updated news that's gone on in the last 48 hours since the episode recording. But if you haven't heard, episode 300 for the Bullet Cast is going to be a monumental occasion. We're going to do a live 
in person. You know, that's usually what a live podcast would entail. We are going to be going up to the Woodland for the collectible Stampede October 9th, 2022 from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. It's going to be up there in Woodland, California. That Hold on. <clears throat> It's going to be at Taqueria Guadalajara, 6 West Court in Woodland, California. It's going to be tacos, wrestling, family fun, giant, and a giant burrito contest, eating contest. Maybe a boy is going to participate. Maybe not. Come through. See what happens. But definitely me and Philip will be going. Katie says she has a prior obligation the day before, but she's going to try. Who knows what the hell if Brian's going to show up. We're, we're hoping. Maybe we get the full squad. Maybe there'll be some special guests along the way. We shall find out. But uh, it's going to be a big episodes, exciting episode. This has been in the works for, I don't know, six months at least. And it's going to be a fun time. So even if you're not in the Woodland area, if you're in driving distance, come on up. Say hi. It's going to be a good time. AEW has not been in driving distance around here. Well, they were in L.A. for two shows, but AEW has not been in the Bay Area for a long time ever. We've been wanting this forever since it started back in 2019. We haven't gotten it, but rumors and speculation that the Cow Palace will be the host for AEW Revolution, and I am ecstatic. I'm excited. Um, we've been asking this for a long time. I mean, I thought maybe we could have got the Cow Palace at Revolu- or at uh, fall, Full Gear, not Fall Brawl. been watching some uh, some Monday Night War stuff, and so I got Fall Brawl on the mind. But Cow Palace, historic venue, been there a couple times for APW shows and that big, it was the first ever show in the United States, but it was kind of the biggest show for New Japan at that time in the States at the Cow Palace. And it, it's, a, it's a great venue. Obviously, it's older, but the history, you know, dating back to the territory days, WCW ran a bunch of shows there. You know, obviously the Eddie Guerrero, uh, no, no, uh, no way out. Pay-per-view is legendary. And there's been a few things happening. Obviously, like APW kind of revitalized it a few years back. But uh, for the most part, the Cow Palace hasn't really been too much of a thing in in pro wrestling. And so it's nice that uh, AEW is coming back, coming here and running a show there. I am super excited. Uh, possibly we might be able to get some uh, press passes. You know, maybe we'll be able to... Uh, do some things, maybe maybe be part of a press conference and someone gets all cranky and yells at us and calls us fake news and who knows what happens. But we shall be there. Hopefully you guys can join us. May I know for a lot of the pay-per-views, they kind of make a weekend or like a whole week out of it. And I don't think the Cow Palace is exactly a place that AEW could run a Dynamite Wednesday live Rampage Friday and then do the, do the pay-per-view Sunday. But the Bay Area is such a huge place that you can run like at see this also is like scheduling and how much they are willing to pay for travel and stuff. You could run like San Jose, Oakland, and then the Cal Palace, or you could run, you know, an Oakland taping of Rampage and uh, Dynamite and then go over to the Cal Palace because, I mean, for those who aren't aware, like, you know, the Cal Palace, it is San Francisco, but it's also not San Francisco. It's a little bit of a drive if you live across the Bay. So kind of getting that, East Bay flair of Oakland, maybe even the South Bay and San Jose, and then going over to the Cow Palace in nearby San Francisco could be a, a fun event. And hopefully they do something like that, kind of keeping AEW in the Bay Area for that week's time. And we can hit up a few shows, have some fun. Should be a great time. 
another pay-per-view survivor series don't know where the hell that is i should probably you know if i was prepared i would have seen where survivor series i can't even spell survivor but you know google's got me google knows how dumb i am and how much i can't spell but it is going to be at the td garden in boston so a a hot venue a cool spot for that but triple h loves the war games See, Phil, I, I heard, see, I listened to the podcast. Philip wanted me to do the gimmick. I did the gimmick. Uh, Triple H saying, or they just straight up announced that War Games will be coming to Survivor Series this year. And I, you know, I got mixed feelings about it. Obviously, I love War Games, the concept. NXT had just fantastic War Games matches. I went to a War Games uh, down when they did NXT TakeOver in LA. Who was it? It was Undisputed Era taking on. Was it War Machine or, sorry, Viking War Raider Experience and Ricochet and somebody? I forget exactly what the whole thing was, but I remember Ricochet jumped off the, the top of the cage and there was some other good stuff. But um, it's, uh, I, I like the concept. I think it's, it's good from getting away from that SmackDown versus Raw gimmick that they do. But in the graphic or in the logo, it does, it has, does have one side blue, one side red, which does kind of, make me a little timid that they are going to do something like that which i don't like also the whole gimmick you know having a gimmick tied to a pay-per-view like you know a war games hell in a cell elimination chamber tlc there's just so many of those that i kind of wish they didn't do that like maybe you know internally say okay we're gonna have a war games at survivor series but don't like leak it and don't make it a thing just because it does take you out of the moment and and also it kind of handcuffs them to say oh Hell in a Cell is coming up next month. We need to do this. We need to have a Hell in a Cell match, which this year it did work because of the Cody Seth storyline. But for the most part, there's there's always like they're shoehorning in these gimmicks and like a TLC match where it doesn't really need to have that type of gimmick. So I wish with Triple H they could dial that back and go back to just the kind of generic naming pay-per-views to where it's not tied to a gimmick. So you have to do that type of match because it does take the excitement and take the novelty of that out of the uh, the match itself but first year of war games on main roster wwe ever we've never seen a full-fledged wwe main roster war games so that is going to be exciting uh the bloodline is obviously kind of the big faction right now that people are talking about of being in this match i mean i agree i think that would be a, a great match now I could see them taking Roman out of the match and just having it be Usos, Sami Zayn, and Solo taking on the kind of like a hodgepodge collection of people, you know, Kevin Owens, Johnny Gargano, um, you know, maybe Drew McIntyre and somebody else from SmackDown. Uh, so, yeah, and they're also going to be men's and women's. So I don't know how the women's is exactly going to play out because you have, obviously you have, uh, I almost said control your narrative, but damage control. That's a three woman team. You could add a Charlotte because she's just nowhere to be seen right now. You could add another heel into that dynamic to make it a four on four or five on five. But, and that's also the other thing of having two war games. Like I get it. You want to have a women's and a men's one, but you know, having two war games on a show back to back or not back to back, but on the same show does kind of also take away the novelty of it a bit. But, um, you know, first time, it's going to be a big deal. Hopefully, now that we're kind of in 
the Triple H era, we can kind of get away from these novelty, you know, gimmick match pay-per-view names. So anyways, uh, the NBC Warner Bros. merger, the merger. Uh, yeah, I'm not a TV guy or a TV guide, but I mean, maybe this is a, a you know, a lot of noise for nothing because yes, the prospect of AEW and WWE being on under the same umbrella is intriguing, but like, is it going to happen? I don't know. I mean, Warner Bros. just did a uh, merger with Discovery. That's not going so well. The Discovery person was the one to like take over it and be the head honcho. He's just like sl- cutting jobs and TV shows and stuff left and right. So merging that with NBC who knows what's gonna happen on that front but yeah I'm not gonna get into like oh just because these two people are together that means only one can exist on the network or you know there's gonna be a dream WWE AEW show that's probably not gonna happen so I just think this is a lot to do about nothing uh Errol Hawani had interviews with Triple H and MJF separately of course Uh, I didn't check it out entirely but you know i saw some clips of the triple h interview like errol hawani is a great mma journalist like no no doubt about it but when it comes to like these type of interviews like the triple h interview i think he could have gone a little bit harder in like asking the questions this was kind of like a softball type interview just you know kind of promoting the brand and kind of asking easy questions for triple h to answer and you know mjf this is kind of allegedly what started the rift between mjf and Tony Khan was an un, uh, whatever permitted interview with Ariel Hawani. And MJF has been doing the rounds on uh, the interviews as well as Tony Khan because of the New York show. And, you know, MJF has great chemistry with Ariel. Uh, yeah, so two good interviews. If you haven't, go check them out. Anyways, let's get on into the SmackDown recap. The, the big thing kind of in WWE right now is Logan Paul. And Roman Reigns, it had just been announced. There was a press conference. Logan Paul and Roman Reigns are going to take, going to go at it one-on-one in November, I believe. Or is it October? I don't know. I don't really care. They're going to Saudi Arabia for blood money. And it is going to be for the double championship. I mean, it is what it is. Like, it is kind of laughable that Logan Paul is getting a title shot for against roman that being said like i i understand why they're doing it apparently the 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 prince like knows logan paul and wanted this match and and that's been the case for a lot of the blood money shows you know the prince will say he wants this match or wants this person on the show and wwe does what they can because they have so much they're getting so much money for these shows that they can afford to bring in undertaker kane goldberg Shawn michaels whoever else uh well apparently he wanted yokozuna and the ultimate warrior to show up but for obvious reasons that could not happen but i know they talked about it on the bullet cast that was going to bring in new eyeballs or bring in the casual fans and like in terms of like actual eyeballs and how many people will watch crown jewel this is on a saturday usually they've been like those weird thursday shows so i think this will be the most watched blood money show out of all of them which isn't really like a high bar to clear but um i I just don't really see how this is that big of a deal for wwe because logan paul's been in the company a few times already had his matches 
and I just don't really see a bump. Like, honestly, like I know who the Paul brothers are. I'm not like in their universe and I don't kind of like, I understand they're kind of a big deal, but like it's now in the age of the internet and celebrities, they're kind of like a big deal in their own bubble and how much, how many eyeballs can they like actually bring to the product? And like, you can bring eyeballs to the product, but will they actually, the, it's one thing to bring people to watch it, but it's another thing to like keep those people invested and watch for the rest, you know, to keep them viewing even when Logan Paul isn't on the show. Um, like Logan Paul, we said is a fantastic athlete and he's done well in the matches he's been a part of, but it's just kind of one of those things that it's gonna like be icky. And I mean, the blood money shows were already kind of a, a sensitive subject for wrestling fans already. You bring in the Logan Paul stuff, kind of, you know, irks the, the wrestling fan. And then the casual fan who knows Logan Paul might like watch this, but it's going to be like a spectacle. And it's going to be kind of, I don't want to like go too far and say it's like a clown show. But as I said, like they might subscribe to Peacock or, you know, call up, you know, ask their friends who has a Peacock subscription to like, you know, lend them the password and watch it. And then after that, they're just not going to. Or they'll see clips on the internet, which is kind of like how a lot of people watch like the Paul brothers boxing fights. Like I know, like for me personally, like I'll be intrigued to see the Paul and Logan or Jake Paul, the brother take on Floyd May or take on Anderson Silva. But it's like, I'm not going to pay 40, 50 bucks, however much they're charging to see them have a full blown fight. But I mean, we'll see. Roman is kind of lacking competitors right now, like outside of, like Kevin or, you know, people he hasn't really, he hasn't wrestled yet on this reign. So getting Logan Paul in on a blood money show, which is kind of like a non-canon thing, but it's going to be a, it, they treat it like a big deal during Raw and SmackDown. And then once the show's over, they kind of just pretend like it never existed. So I think that's what's going to happen on this. It's going to be a big deal for a while. And then once it's over, it's going to be like, oh, moving on to Survivor Series, whatever the next pay-per-view is. Uh, so let's and Madcap Mouse had a match, you know, no one hurts, so we can ask for. Uh, continue to love the dynamic of Sammy and now adding Solo to the mix and him kind of being on board uh, with Sammy. And this is another thing. This is one of the bigger matches for Roman on his reign so far. Yeah. And it's at Saudi Arabia. Sammy Zayn, who's probably the best thing going in WWE and probably the best thing going in wrestling right now, can't be at the show. So just another kind of negative on the whole aspect of things. Uh, Brawling Brutes get a tag title shot. Good for them. Uh, outside the ring, MJF, Mandy Rose get engaged not to each other, but to separate to separate partners. Uh, good for them. And Trish Stratus announced she had surgery, got her appendix removed. Glad to see she is uh, healthy and recovering and, you know, teasing, well, not teasing peace because usually those are for, for bad things. But, you know, shout out Trish. Hopefully she gets better. Did see she, uh, Maria Kanellis did do an interview somewhere and she said to bring back the Divas title and Trish just uh, quote tweeted that and just said no. And I completely agree. Um, there's like a time and place that you possibly could bring back the Divas title, but not like as a, a division, like as an actual title, obviously, but kind of like a quote unquote Diva, like revitalizing it and like claim it as her own. Like, um, like a toxic attraction or a Carmella, Eva Marie type to where like they're like an overly sexualized character and they kind of call themselves a diva and they kind of take that title. But then there, there's a lot of negative feelings towards the butterfly title. So 
Um, I, you know, I kind of get, well, I don't know if I completely understand where Maria Kanellis is coming from, but like, that's kind of her era of wrestling. So I can kind of see that she doesn't want that kind of era to be written off and just kind of forgotten about. I agree with Mickey. I would much rather have the original or not the original, original, but kind of that attitude era, you know, ruthless aggression women's championship back i think that is just a classic title design it's simple it looks great i like it much better than the women's championship they have now it's just a giant wwe logo on it and you know we talked about it last week on the possible new logos or new titles and i i understand the marketing aspect of it but i wish they were a little bit more individualized like that's why i love the u.s and ic titles they are so different and they're not just a corporate shill of a title with a giant company logo on the front of it. Um, moving on over to, to Raw, Lashley retains his U.S. title, speaking of the U.S. title, against Seth Rollins with a distraction by Matt Riddle. Gotta love the distraction finishes. You know, it is what it is. Kind of surprising they kept it on Lashley. I thought maybe Seth would be a good person to take it off of him. Kind of, you can, you know, take Lashley who's gained some momentum recently, but you're not going to like go all the way with him and make him a top guy ever again. I don't think, but like you can take him, get the title off of him and you can have him be a challenger to Roman. Cause as I said, you haven't really, you don't have too many people Roman hasn't faced yet, but Lashley is one of those guys, but with Logan Paul, uh, you know, taking him on at blood money and Roman taking the dates back, not doing as many dates. I don't know when his next match would be after that, whether it's the December pay-per-view or Royal Rumble, but Lashley definitely can be one of those guys that Roman can face. Now, if Roman, if the plan for Roman is to walk out of WrestleMania the champion, then I think Lashley is another, as a person, as I said, you can have him face, you know, after post-mania, if they are kind of trying to save some people for the, the next post-WrestleMania run for Roman. Uh, Kevin Owens defeated Theory. Another solid match. Now, I know people might say, oh, they're burying Theory and Theory's not winning and Triple H has nothing for him and he hates him, blah, 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 blah. blah. That's not, that's, I don't think that's the case. I, Triple H, from what I've heard from my sources, uh, Triple H is a fan of Theory and he's young enough that I think he can bounce back from this. Now, he might have to like change his gimmick up and change his persona for them to be more of a thing or for him to be more of a serious character and for people to take him more seriously. But I'm not, I'm not the biggest theory fan, but I'm not writing him off like an Omos or some of the other guys that uh, Triple H hasn't used that much since taking over. Kevin Owens, once again, I'm a huge fan of him. I think he is uh, so much better in his current position as the the prize fighter, as kind of going back to his roots. I, I love that. Um, this was the match in San Jose, by the way. Shout out, Philip was there. And I, I kind of wish I was on the bullet cash just to kind of ask him questions about the environment because, you know, San Jose and the Bay Area in, in total, which is, that's another reason why I'm intrigued to see the what a what an AEW Bay Area crowd is going to be like. I know it's a pay, it'll be a pay per view crowd, so there will be some people traveling, but the Bay Area, like, it's kind of a weird, like the Bay Area WWE crowd is kind of weird, like they can get up for some things and they can be loud for like the important big time things, but like the lower level things and you know things if if they will react for things that deserve to be reacted to but then when there's things that you know they don't really care about it'll be silent so uh there was a qr code and there were qr codes scattered throughout uh, apparently well 
the thing on the video said like 923, which while you're listening to this, it is 923. So uh, I guess there's going to be some sort of shenanigans or something's going to happen today on SmackDown. Probably by the time this thing gets uploaded, is something's going to happen. Uh, the, the big theory is that it is Bray Wyatt. Now, I'm not a, a huge fan of Bray. Like, I know there's a lot of people out there that like creatively, he's like so good and he can be utilized so much better. And I agree, like his vignettes and his creativity is like fantastic. But then once it gets in the ring, I think that's where he, where he kind of loses it for me. Like I was a defender of the Firefly Funhouse match with John Cena because I, th- I thought it told a really good story. Now, there's some other people out there who very much disagree and hated that match. But I, I thought that was honestly maybe one of Bray Wyatt's uh, better matches up there with that Royal Rumble match with uh, Dana Bryan. And so uh, Bailey came home. Uh, you know, I, I think they probably muted the crowd a little bit because it didn't sound like they gave her much of a reaction. But I would assume for Bailey coming back to San Jose, it would have been a, a, a good pop and a good reaction for her and uh, they close out the show with Alexa Bliss and Bailey and I think this was WWE kind of punting on the show just because it was a doubleheader Monday night football game so I, I think they knew and understood that it was going to be tough sledding trying to compete with that and even though the games weren't very good but they were big four big time teams that on paper should have been draws so I, I, I kind of get where they're coming from and uh, Bianca and Bailey going to go out at extreme rules it makes sense, and I wouldn't be shocked if Bailey wins that match. Uh, Judgment Day defeats Riddle and Rey Mysterio. I think Judgment Day has, conti- or at least the Dominic and Ray dynamic, continues to be a pleasant surprise. I think Dominic isn't asked to do much, which I think is a good thing. Like not like not trying to be mean about it, but I think the way he carries himself with Rhea and you know Finn and, and Damien to an extent, but it's obviously more of a Dominic and Rhea pairing up against ray i think ray's done a good job as well and i think they will try to extend this feud out now can they get it all the way out to wrestlemania which i was kind of thinking of when he first turned it's going to be a challenge now edge is coming back apparent probably like maybe survivor series or royal rumble time so maybe they do something where they kind of write off Ray. Ray can go away for a little bit. Edge comes back. Edge and Dominic do some things or, well, I guess the main feud is with Dominic. So it's not like Edge will face Finn, even though it's going to be a better match. But, I, you know, the Judgment Day stuff hasn't been that bad. Uh, all right, guys, moving on over to AEW Dino. Might they kick it off with an ROH title sh- uh, match with Jericho taking on Claudio Castagnoli. Uh, this was at Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York. And fantastic atmosphere, great venue, great look. They really update the set design AEW does for these shows. They have the, I don't even know what you would call it. It's like, it's the ramp, but they have like a video on the ramp, you know, digital ramp. I don't fucking know. Oh, no, no swearing, but well, we can swear on Under the Radar. But Jericho does win with uh, underhanded tactics and uh, it was, you know, it was, it was a good match. Jericho has been open about how he's got, he's really gotten into shape these last few uh, months and it's paid off. You know, he looks really good. He's had much better matches recently and he, he beats Claudio and 
uh, Ian Riccoboni, who's on commentary, very much was like hammering home that this was not an honorable win for Jericho to win the ROH title. And I think that's definitely the direction they're going with Daniel Garcia coming out at the end and kind of giving a half-assed high five with Jericho. So, you know, Jericho winning the ROH title, it seems like kind of similar to Jericho being the first ever AEW champion. Like they're trying to kickstart the brand of ROH if and when they get a TV deal, which I think they, they need a TV deal or do something with that brand because just muddying the water, having ROH and AEW on the same shows. And there's so many titles to begin with. And now putting, you know, I I also don't think it's a great idea to have a world championship match open the show when you're closing the show, trying to crown your own world champion. But you know, that's, that's me. I wouldn't have another company's championship world championship kick off the show to kind of reiterate to remind people that oh look there's another there's another world champion in our own company so who cares about well you know i I, i've been on that soapbox before but uh jericho winning we're gonna have to wait and see what happens i do think this is the kind of more of a long-term story with daniel garcia and i think it will end with daniel garcia ultimately being the roh champion which should be fun in, I don't know, when the next pay-per-view or like the next big show the ROH title will be on. But um, like, like it's cool. Like, as I said, very similar to them putting the title on Jericho for the first AEW title. So maybe they're trying to build that and like attach Jericho's name to ROH to lift up the brand a little bit. Historically, it is important because now Jericho has been, you know, champion in WCW, you know, WWE, ROH and you know, winning all these different titles. So, you know, good for him from that historical standpoint. Now on the other side, Claudio, you know, didn't have a, a very, he had a ho-hum title reign. Like, you know, he had some good matches. He comes back for the new Japan show and, and, you know, he just hasn't really done much. He's almost kind of like in that Cesaro spot. Like he, he gets some wins, not exactly pushed to like a, a superstar level. Now, should he be, probably not like especially with some of the other people on that but you know claudio's just kind of in that pool of AEW wrestlers of like an andrade malachi black miro uh you know and a bunch of other people that you probably could do more with but just right now they're not doing much more with so i and i don't know where you go from with claudio from here it seemed as though he was more of like an roh guy than an AEW guy so putting the title on him made sense. Now, what does he do post-title win? Does he move on to be in more of the AEW roster, universe, galaxy, whatever they're trying to call it? So I have to wait and see on that front. Another title match, a lot of title matches on the show. The acclaimed defeat, Swerve My Glory, to be the new tag team champions. And uh, this match was good. Not as good as their all-out match, but uh, solid, you know, fantastic eruption. Great pop for the acclaimed coming back to New York. And th- this match was kind of a full, foregone conclusion. A lot of people predicted that the Acclaim were going to get a win, get the win, and they did. I thought Swerve and I Glory did a good job. They were playing the antagonist, but weren't exactly full-flown, full-fledged heels. So it's not like they're going to undercut their character and whatever they do after this, whether they are a tag or a singles, is going to devalue them. Um, not a big fan of the finish with Billy Gunn, you know, interfering on the outside, hitting a famouser, and that's how the the baby face, the hometown heroes get the win to win their first ever titles. 
not a big fan of that. I mean, if you kind of look through the track record of Billy Gunn in AEW, I think he, he gets way more shine than he should. And like, he couldn't even like put over his own son's clean, which is like, whatever, dude. But the acclaim get the win. Now, where do they go from here? I mean, I don't know. Um, FTR have been the number one contenders forever. Now, will they finally get that title shot? But that's another face-face match. And FTR is much more popular than Swerve and Our Glory. And the acclaim is definitely, they're not like a joke act, but it's definitely like the, the scissor me daddy ass. And it's almost almost like ironically people are cheering for them, but they also do genuinely like them as well. So kind of throwing FTR in the mix where, I mean, earlier in the year, they were so hot. And they were on such a run that I was like, like no shot. They have to be the, the champions are going to hold all the gold, take the Ultimo Dragon pitcher and, you know, off to the races. But some apparent, some heat with the Young Bucks and, you know, FTR kind of camp, you know, Team CM Punk. That, that probably doesn't do them any favors at the moment. But um, th- this tag team division was once very, very strong. And it's just hasn't been quite the success i think a lot of people expected to be that there have been some fantastic matches don't get me wrong but it hasn't been the tag team division i think a lot of people thought it was going to be another championship match the all-atlantic championship the most prestigious of the championships of the atlantic as pack defeats orange Cassidy. good match as you'd expect uh, Pac hits uh Cassidy with a, a foreign object uh for the for the win they might go on and, you know, have another match, but, uh, you know, this was kind of like a, even though it was a title match and all the matches on this were, were title matches. Um, no, it, it was just kind of there, maybe a little bit of a come down from the, uh, the, or the first two matches, but uh, it is what it is. Then the AEW interim women's championship as Tony storm defeats Serena D, Athena, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, uh, Britt once again, busts up her nose. She is a bloody mess. And, you know, the, the match was fine. Um, you know, all four women worked really hard. You know, all four of them are pros. And uh, Tony gets the win at the end. I mean, nothing too much to say. I, I think Tony deserves to kind of get a run with the title. And maybe I, I would much rather it be like some good one-on-one stories and just kind of throwing in these four women who in their own aspects, I think are fantastic and if they were on their own and having a feud with Tony could be good stuff, but I think just kind of throwing them all in together muddies the waters. But obviously what everyone's talking about is after the match, Jamie Hader comes in, teases dissension with Britt Baker, but it was all a swerve bro. As then she beats down on the baby faces and Soraya comes in uh, to make her AEW debut an absolute monster pop for her. I think she was kind of taken aback by it and um, she didn't get physical from all reports indicating that she has she is not medically cleared to wrestle so what i don't know what this exactly means it it was telling that she didn't really do anything like i understand it's like a big moment and you're trying to milk it and stuff but no one touched her she didn't do anything and now it's kind of coming that she's not cleared and i don't know what exactly you do with her like she is super talented she's charismatic people love her like you can do stuff with her like as a manager but like we saw in WWE, she almost kind of overshadows the people she's working with that she's managing. And if you put her with someone who's like on her level, 
like a Tony Storm, Athena, or whoever else you want. Like even if she were, well, you know, even if she were to like team up with Jamie Hader, even though she is a heel right now, you know, kind of have the British connection. Like I, I just don't know how that is going to work. And obviously, she can't get. Let's just say she like she can't be touched whatsoever because of her neck. I don't know really what is it worth it to bring her in and what's the payoff going to be. Now she's been boisterous that she wants to wrestle. She thinks she can wrestle. Now we've seen a lot of things with Dana Bryan, edge, um, some, some other people that have had some neck head injuries, but you know, Saraya Saraya is different. We haven't really seen this like with the, uh, a, a woman wrestler. So we'll, we'll have to, to wait and see on that. If she is able to compete and she can do it safely, I think this is a, a phenomenal get for AEW because she's I would say she's the big she's the biggest star the women's division has at this moment. I would have loved to see Sasha, Sasha and or Naomi. Well, Sasha definitely, but if you know bring in Naomi, she's she's a good get as well. And you know, AEW's women division has genuinely been lacking stars and attention. And I think we've I've kind of come to the realization that I don't think Tony Khan is really that big of a women's wrestling fan. And I think he's even said that, like when he grew up, he was more of like that ECW attitude era type wrestling fan. And so like in that era, it wasn't like wrestling, women's wrestling wasn't like a big deal unless you kind of went out of your way and like watch the, the Japan stuff. And like not like calling Tony Khan a sexist or anything like that, but I just don't think he has like the same passion for like women's wrestling than he does for like the the tag team, like the men's singles divisions. So, and, and Kenny apparently is like head of the women's division. I mean, we, we've kind of seen how the EVPs, how that situation has uh, panned out over the past three years. So anyways, uh, the final match, the main event of the show, AEW World Championship match, John Moxley taking on Brian Danielson. They, they ran a video package earlier, and I thought it was, it was a really good package. Maybe not as good as Austin Aries' package, but uh, a really good package. And, you know, oh, forgot to uh, put it. They, they didn't put this on the script. Uh, and, oh, they did put it on the script, but I just completely missed it because I cannot read. Uh, Wheeler Yuta got on the stage, and MJF interrupted him. We got, you know, standard MJF stuff. And once again, MJF getting cheered. If he's going to be in the Northeast, I think it's a foregone conclusion that he's going to get cheered. But um, he, they're trying to pull out all the all the stops to get people to boo him. And he pushes Tony Schiavone, which is a, a big deal. Yes, um, Stokely Hathaway got physically physical with Tony a little bit, but not as much as MJF did. So that was kind of a an ace in the hole that they've kind of been saving for and i think it did pay off well it did get a, a good reaction and ha- got mjf booed um now you can go to like the next step and someone like laying out tony and getting like really physical and like him being written off for a few weeks but you know AEW has kind of botched the mjf situation uh you know going back to them making him a baby face in long island the, the stuff with the, the promo leaving the company after uh, double or nothing. And now he's back as a heel. And I think they definitely want him to be a heel, but the crowd just will cheer him. Now he, every time he like says the guy goes for the low blow and the cheap heat, they'll boo him, but it's just not the same thing that it was when he was, you know, on fire earlier in the year. And when, you know, the other times he was doing stuff for the company. So, 
MJF still a big star, getting paid, apparently getting paid like over a million million dollars a year. Good for him. Get your money, boo-boo. But um, MJF is, I understand he's super talented. People people like to have liked him for a long time, but MJF is much better when he's like that dirt worst heel that you just want to see him get his ass kicked. And he used to be that way, but now people are starting to cheer for him more. And it, it kind of takes the, you know, the shine off MJF a little bit. And it's, it's a shame that they can't really put that genie back in the bottle. But anyways, back to the main event, John Moxley defeats Brian Danielson. So he is the first ever three time AEW world champion. Now I thought with the rumors of Moxley canceling his vacation, Brian hasn't had the title in a bit. It would just kind of be the same thing going back to Moxley that they would put the title on Danielson, but no, they put the title on Moxley. And it's, it was a little bit of a surprise and good for Moxley. I mean, he has just been killing it. These are two of my favorites in AEW, but Moxley has just kind of been on a, on a different level these past few months and well-deserved good for him. Hopefully he can really, you know, get a, a good solid run. Now, the one thing I didn't like about the match is MJF up in the skybox and I think they focus too much on him. Like, okay, we get it. He has his chip. He's watching the match. Do we really have to cut to him like every two minutes to see him just look at the, like, look at the ring. I thought they over, I overdid that a little bit for me, Uh, but the match itself, I I thought it was a really good match. Now it was in Moxley and Brian's best match ever. No, but uh, you know, hard hitting. I thought they told a good physical story. And Moxley getting the win. You can kind of see it coming because early on MJF, when talking about the tournament, he kind of focused more on Moxley than the any of the other participants. So it, it not like it blew the finish by any means because a lot of people thought Brian Danielson was going to win this match. But you could see they're planting the seeds of Moxley and MJF. Uh, fall, once again, I almost call it fall brawl. Full gear uh, taking place in the uh, Prudential Center in New Jersey in november i believe so maybe they get it all the way to that point for uh mjf to face moxley they had some sort of number one contender match because AEW loves to you know pull up number one contenders out their ass instead of having the number one contender that they have for their own rankings but it is what it is don't know uh rampage is going on right now i think i don't know what time rampage comes on but by the time you listen to this either you've seen the spoilers or you've watched the show already uh so john moxley new AEW world champion and I am happy for him. Hopefully he does ever he eventually gets that vacation with his family. But well deserved Moxley and I am excited to kind of see what him and MJF are cooking cuz as I said MJF not the heel that he used to be and maybe with Moxley uh kind of going back and forth on the mic they can kind of get that magic once again now. Hopefully MJF which he does quite a bit goes to the low road, kind of talked about it. He went down that road with uh, William Regal talking about popping pills. I, I am, I'm a, I'm a little scared that they're going to go down the alcoholic route. So we'll have to see uh, about that. So that is it for Under the Radar. I did not time this. I don't know how long we've been going, but I think we've been going for long enough. Uh, thank you guys very much for tuning out. Oh, I guess, you know, for all for all shits and giggles, I guess we could go to if so guys, if you have a question, if you want me to answer an email in about six and a half uh, or in a year and a half, 
no, I don't even have it anymore. I guess I deleted it or I just took it out. UTRmailbag at gmail.com. That is UTRmailbag at gmail.com if you want to send in a question. But, um, you know, follow the Bulletcast on all of our social medias. If you would like to send in a question, bulletcast 2 suite at gmail.com. That is Bulletcast the number two suite at gmail.com. I will be back for your regular scheduled Bulletcast this next week. So it will be be a, the well at least the new full group of me philip and katie who knows if brian's gonna ever show up again hopefully he does it, it's fun when he's around maybe we get the full quartet debut next week but we'll have to stay tuned and find out so thank you guys very much for tuning in see you in a in a year and a half for for the next episode of under the radar goodbye and good night bye bye <laughs>